This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by Michelle Young of Extremely Crafty, an online e-zine and blog. Sign up for the Extremely Crafty Club at www.extremelycrafty.co.uk and receive PDF instructions to make of teddy bear toy and mashing bag. By becoming a member, you'll be the first to know what's new and receive free special members-only cool stuff. Extremely Crafty, creating happiness through craft. Hello, everyone. This is episode 89 of the Craft Sanity Podcast, and this week I have an interview with Erica Simmons. She's the co-author of Double Stitch, Designs for the Crochet Fashionista, and she wrote the book with her twin sister, Monica Simmons, and these women are so talented, and it's amazing because they have, like, talent times two because they work together on their creative projects. Up until very recently, a lot of crochet patterns were pretty frumpy looking. I am so happy to see designers like these two women out there and really pushing the envelope of what can be done with crochet. Because I think those who don't crochet, it still has kind of a frumpy reputation. Those of us who crochet know that there's so many possibilities. And if you can knit and crochet, there's, you really double your ability to create some really cool pieces. So when Erica and I talked, I had told her that I did the tube apron top on page 19. The model is wearing it as a top, as an actual shirt. Um, <laughs> I have not been that brazen. I've worn it under or over a little, my little white blouse that I wear with a lot of my aprons. So um, I felt a little more, uh, I guess it was less revealing. I felt a little more confident that way. So uh, I don't know that I'll ever be feeling like I'm going to be flaunting my uh, tube apron top around town without another top under it, but we'll see if I can um, work toward that someday. <laughs> Erica and Monica really have uh, created a great collection of patterns in this book that you can wear with, you know, something underneath or not, depending on the mood and the setting that you're in. The designs are really interesting. Everything from funky one sleeve, which is literally one sleeve that you can wear, you know, over the models wearing like a tank dress and has this just one sleeve, crocheted sleeve on. I would probably make two sleeves just to balance it out. Um, <laughs> and so I'm not cold just on one side. They also do this great thing where they take a T-shirt and they crochet sleeves onto a T-shirt. And I'm thinking, wow, that's that's really cool. But anyway, um, Erica and Monica are based in Chicago. And at the time we talked, they were 35. We talked about how they built their business from just kind of how they got started with crocheting. And I'm going to let them let, let Erica tell the story and uh, at the time we talked, her sister Monica was right there within earshot. So there will be points in the interview where, where she consults with her sister, which is cool. Okay, let's get to it, folks. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you and your sister got started in crochet and some of the other creative things you do? It sounds like this dates back to fourth grade. Yes, it does. Actually, um, in an after-school program, um, me and Monica crocheting from a, one of the teachers. She just taught the class, and we were kind of advancing quickly while we were working on, like, we were advancing on to a couple of stitches ahead of the class most of the time, so we kind of found out that we picked up really quick. As far as crochet was concerned, everyone was still doing the chain, and we were moving on. Yeah, so what kinds of things did you make initially? I don't even remember ever making anything. I remember um, just practicing the stitches, mm-hmm. and then by the end of maybe the class session, I made a uh, a blanket. Wow. So I was the only one in class that made a blanket. It actually got submitted into the art um, fair at school. I oh, how cool. Won. I think I won third place in the art fair. Excellent. I remember it being so ugly. But, <laughs> but I think everybody was focused on, on a, a fourth grader actually taking the time to continue on and do it. So I see. So that got you some some major points there. It, it definitely. And so that's when we learned. But Monica and I did not do it throughout the years. We only picked it back, crocheting back up 20 years later. Wow. When we turned 30, we decided for Christmas 2002 to make Christmas gifts for our family to be a little bit more economical yeah. about the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, so so let's that's, that's fill in the space in between a little bit. Did you guys grow up in Chicago? Yeah. Okay, so you, raised in Chicago. Okay, yeah. so you're Chicago girls. Yeah. 
so what have you been doing with the time in between? Fourth grade and age 30, uh, what well, did you guys do? We are very heavy into the arts. And we, our um, upbringing pretty much was dance. Um, so we did a lot of dance performance, modern ballet, jazz, African, hip-hop dance in high school, in um, college. Okay. I was actually a dance minor in school. And so that was our major form of, you know, just getting out this artistic side. But we also braided hair. Okay. So is that what you did as a profession is braiding hair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And that was definitely a way to get it out, you know, to not feel stagnant as far as art. Yeah. Well, that's an art. Definitely an art form. Yeah. You know, because it, it, it was it was about the only thing that we could have done for a certain amount of time that would make us be able to crochet as fast as we do right now. Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that because yeah, yeah, when you're braiding hair, um, it, and it's such a, and I think a lot of times people don't appreciate like how many hours that takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I went through a phase where I was um, thinking that I really needed to get braids in my hair, um, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of I was kind of kind of ignoring the whole fact that the texture of my hair is not really the most conducive to holding these beautiful okay. braids. Yeah. <laughs> so I went into a store that was a shop that was a salon that did primarily. Um, you know, African-American hair, you know, and braids and these beautiful, and I I look at these, you know, beautiful black women and see their gorgeous hair, and I'm like, oh, I want that pretty hair, (laughs) those pretty braids, and I went in, and it was so funny, because my hair is not really thick, but it's, um, anyway, I went in, and I said, yeah, I'd like to get some braids in my hair, and the the woman was like, girl, (laughs) you're going to need a lot of, uh, you know, um, she's, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have to add hair, and at that point, I didn't know what that meant, I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's, <laughs> she's like, yeah. your hair just won't, it's going to fall out. You know, I just kind of was laughing because clearly the idea in my head was not, I mean, that was not going to be a reality. And I just right. was not going to be able to carry off this look as well as, as the beautiful women I was looking at who had these beautiful braids. So, but I, I did learn a lot in my little, explore, you know, exploring this possibility um, about just how long it takes, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is a whole day thing. And so yeah. the women walking around with these beautiful braids have sat in a chair for like five hours or more and um and then you have people very talented people putting these braids in all day i mean so so that prepared you to stitch quickly it sounds like it does it definitely does actually the same skills as far as patience but as as far as the manual dexterity and the hands and the fingers as well yeah so so you guys did that although were you still doing that in 2002 braiding hair yes we're actually still doing it now oh you're still doing it now do you guys have a shop or do um, and it's our own client base. We work from home. Oh, cool. That's yeah. cool. So you yeah. can set your own hours, and it's probably oh, more yes. comfortable for your clients, too. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. You know, and it's easy. Um, we've always been so flexible with that. So in between um, braiding, and that's what we did in college, too, we, um, we were also performing, you know, and dancing, um, teaching choreography. Um, and what else do we all oh, commercial print modeling. Oh, cool. And that we still do now as well. Well, that's great. Yeah, it's fun. So our days are pretty different. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's our whole life all the time. So you never know what we're going to wake up and do. Like right now, I'm talking to you and I'm crocheting. (laughs) Getting ready for a show, but sometimes I get up and have to braid a client's hair early in the morning. And sometimes my sister has to go to an audition. Um, was she actually putting on a swimsuit or something like that? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So you, so it's just a yeah. Well, that sounds like a great way to live though, because you have so many things going and you're having fun and. Oh yes. Yeah. It's the only way. So, do you guys have families of your own too? Yes, actually, I have a 13 year old daughter. Her name is Sakani, and Monica has a six month old daughter. Her name is Star Christina. Oh wow! How yeah. fun. And then neither one of us are married, so it's just us and the two girls. Oh, so you guys are yeah. so you guys stick together, and yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So you you are doing your um, your kind of the business. Then do you guys live together? Yes. Okay, so you have clients then with your um, hair business. Well, that's awesome. So you guys get to spend a lot of time together, and yeah. Um, it's, so it sounds like this twin sister bond is super strong with you too. Oh yeah. You know, so we work out together and everything. Go to the gym. We just tried out going to the gym for the first time for my sister since she had the baby. Oh yeah. Somebody watching the baby, and it was hilarious. Uh, it was. <laughs> Like when we're gonna we'll check on her, my sister, I, my sister Monica asked me when we're gonna check on her. I said when um either when somebody comes and tell us she's crying uncontrollably or when we're done. <laughs> 
so you can kind of tell her you know, how it is since you have you've been through this. Yeah. Oh yeah. My my daughter. You know, I was working out at home when I first had my daughter thirteen years ago. So she just sat in her chair and watched me. And to this day, she still does not bother me when I'm working out. She even didn't when she was little. Oh, because she just knew that this is something Mama does, and yeah, she you let her. She could do. I never paid it. I'm doing my workout, baby. <laughs> so so, so does your daughter crochet? Her is different. Oh, I <laughs> different creatures. Well, you know that's so funny because um, you know they can have relatively the same genes, you know, because mm-hmm. sisters having these babies. Um, but every baby comes out with their own attitude, you oh, know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, does your daughter crochet? No, she doesn't. I taught her a little bit, but she has not, as of now, been interested. Okay. Well, she I, might change her mind later. Yeah, yeah. I noticed so much because my sister and I so heavily into everything that we do that creates some sort of of too much of an expectation for her to want to deal with right what if i don't do it well what if i don't do that and she doesn't want to model and she doesn't want to dance and she doesn't want to crochet but she does she is an artist so she does very excellent illustrations and she's a very talented um author oh cool she writes books so she tells me you know once she found it she knew she could throw that in my face like this is my thing <laughs> you do my thing you do your thing that's cool well it sounds like um you guys have a very uh, strong group of women there you know that's awesome so all these things kind of lead up to 2002 when you guys are just sitting there saying okay we're going to make some christmas presents had you done had you ever made um any garments or anything crocheting before that we didn't really remember it but then some people that saw when we started the clothing line they would say stuff like oh yeah i remember in college when you made me a hat because my braids were getting old and I wanted to cover it up. And I'm like, I don't even remember. <laughs> but, but we did do a few little things. Okay. But even when we started in 2002, it was um, double-stitch accessories. Okay. And everything we did was smaller because we weren't really confident with creating entire pieces or, you know, for um, a person to wear, especially con- concerned with fit. We didn't right. grow up doing fashion or go to fashion apparel school or anything like that so accessories were comfortable chokers um little arm bands or um what do we call them? funky one sleeves that mm-hmm. we started um very early on stuff like that yeah so what was the inspiration for the funky one sleeve because this is basically like one sleeve that you tie yeah. around your yeah. you know kind of, and and it's <laughs> definitely something totally unusual and, and i'm thinking okay what occasion would i have and then i'm like well maybe yeah. i'd make two sleeves and then you know i'd have two but it's not the same if you have a funky you can't have a one funky one sleeve but wear two of them <laughs> or you could you could if you wanted to but where where did the inspiration come for that Originally, um, I think that we, Monica and I both subconsciously always tried to do things that were different. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're identical twins, so we always had to set ourselves apart. But when we started the collection, it was always important that it was things that people would not expect. Okay. So the inspiration for the Funky One Sleeve was a, just an asymmetrical concept where, yeah, okay, everybody will make, you know, when you crochet, you always, everyone would always expect you to make scarves or make, expect you to make hats. And so if we're going to make a shrug or a sleeve, let's just make one. So that's all it was. It was just let's create one sleeve and wear it with a tube top or a tank top or whatever. But it was always the, the back of everything, I think, the first two or three years was to prove that crochet can be different and can look different and didn't have to be the concept that everyone always saw. It used to really drive us crazy when we went to the yarn shops and someone would see you getting yarn and always say, oh, you're making a scarf, baby? And I was like, no, I'm making a see-through halter dress with feathers on the bottom. How do people respond when you say, no, I'm making a see-through dress with feathers on the bottom? You know, at first, you know, it would be like, oh, okay, but... <laughs> But, you know, we still got, for a certain amount of years, no one understood what the heck we were talking about. So our very first marketing materials and business cards were um, postcard size, and they would have a number of pictures on them. Mm-hmm. And that would el- eliminate the whole need to try to explain how different our crochet apparel is from what they traditional, their traditional concept. Because you right. always knew that in the back of their mind, they're thinking it's something kitschy. Right. Stuff like that. You know it. Everyone always like, oh, well, whatever. And then, you know, we do a fashion show, 
and it would just blow everyone away, and that was what we wanted to do, but we didn't want to have to tell people we were more into from modeling and stuff like that. We were more into images speaking louder or us wearing our apparel at events that people wouldn't expect at art fair, not art fairs, but art exhibits and at museums and, and a whole bunch of different wine tastings and things like that where we wanted people to see how different it could be and that it was more upscale apparel as opposed to just some crochet stuff. Right, right. Yeah, because the crochet, for some reason, it's, uh, it's not as bad as it used to be, but crocheting, um, you know, it was really was dismissed as a as a fa- as an approach to fashion design. Yeah, yeah, and so it's great that um, you and your sister are so dedicated to changing that. That yeah. that's really wonderful. So that first Christmas, then two thousand two, what did you guys make for your family? We made we actually did make some scarves and some hats. They always had little funky accents to them, um, and we made one sleeve. One sleeve accessories, and they liked it. You know, they really liked it. it was, our family is comprised of tons and tons of women, mm-hmm. so um, us doing women's apparel was that made that easy or women's accessories, and that was it. We would just add new little things, and we were really into different texture yarns and stuff. And so, from that first Christmas, when you realized, you know, hey, we can we can make these things, and people like to receive these, and the gifts were well received. Is that what led you to then pursue it as a yeah, uh, with more energy. Yes, yeah. fairly quickly actually, because then we started just making things just to get out the artistic expression, and we wanted to sell it. So in February, right after Christmas, um, February two thousand three, we did a little sale at home, and we sold out of everything. Oh wow! We made like a thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, so that is not bad at all. Right. So we we, we realized that you know people really like the stuff and that um, they would take to it well. Although people still, you know, we always had to deal with the preconceived notions. Even when people would think about celebrities, first thing they would say is, oh, I could see Erica Badu in that, and I could see Alicia Keys. And just because of that, we sought after people like Patti LaBelle, people that people didn't think would wear um, crochet apparel. And that was our whole point. It wasn't just, okay, well, now we have this funky crochet type of thing, and this is the type of earthy earthy type of artist that will wear yourself, we still were always fighting, fighting, fighting for people to think differently. Right, just so it, it would appeal to everyone, not yeah. just, uh, yeah, so how did you, how did you do, how did you go about that? Were you able to get Patti LaBelle? Uh, yes, actually Patti LaBelle found us. Oh, really? She, she must have saw, you know, we were going through a period where we call it um, partying with a purpose, and we were going to events with our apparel on and making a kind of a splash that way and participating in festivals and events and fashion shows. But a lot of our people were perceiving our stuff as something good to wear out of town. So they were doing that, and we were from that we were getting clients and celebrities that um, may see someone that wore our clothing, and then they would contact us. Oh, awesome. I love that, partying with a purpose. Oh, yeah. You guys are geniuses as far as uh, marketing goes. That's wonderful because you get to have fun. You're spreading the word about your creations, and, uh, yeah, how fun. So you guys uh, (laughs) partied with purpose. (laughs) And then how quickly were you able to, did you feel like, man, we really have a solid business going here? Uh, it was instantaneous. I mean, wow. We kind of had dreams immediately of what we could do, and it was always um, very consistent with the way we had always been. When we when we really started, started and said this was going to be a company, right after that sale in February, we were actually preparing to go to on a tour for seven weeks with Apple Martini. We were um, the Apple Martini twins, or the Apple Teeny twins. Oh, okay. On that tour, we went to seven different cities. Uh, I mean, we went to seven. I think it was seven cities, um, and went around. I think it was five different cities for seven weeks. Okay. And within that time, we um, we used that to to check out the yarn shops in those different places. We cro- crocheted a whole whole lot in our hotel room because we only had to work in the evening. Mm-hmm. And um, giving people free apple martinis as the apple martini twins at different venues. We learned a lot about marketing at that time, and we um, we basically used that as a uh, what do you call it a, um, a class for us to figure to see how they did it. When we walked in, we would come in with a poster, an apple martini poster of ourselves, and put it up, put up little table tents, 
Um, we had little calendars that had a recipe of um, apple, the apple teeny drink. And we met people all evening and talked to them while we gave them free apple martinis. And that gave us a, a lot of education about how to do point of purchase sales type of things mm-hmm. and how to do something promotional. And the way we were used in that job, we used ourselves for a double stitch for that job. So we took a, away with us a lot of information. And we even had sales in our hotel room. And we would tell the maid staff that they can go to our rooms whenever we were gone, and we would come back from working out, and there would be maids in our room looking at clothes, writing out a list of what they wanted us to make for them. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That was really fun. And that was the very, very beginning. But while we were out on that tour, we were like, when we come home, we are going to do news. We are going to do events. We're going to do this many fashion shows a year. So we were putting together a plan even before we um, met our um, publicist and got with her with a more strategic Wow. And did you have a publicist already for, or did you have to find somebody for this business? Are we no, already... we didn't have a publicist and we weren't even really aware of the concept of having a publicist. We have a good friend that went to high school with us and that went away to FIT. Okay. Um, for um, school, and when she came here, and she came to that sale in February. Okay. And she was completely sold on it, so we set up a meeting with her, and she talked to us about what it is she wanted to do as far as getting our name out there, and we said, okay, we'll do it. We'll pay you. She said, you'll do this, you'll do that, you'll pay me this amount, and this is what we'll do. Awesome. And she treated us like she didn't even know us. <laughs> That's how we like it. You know, we love people to come to us with a solid plan. Right, right. do with your relationship. Well, that's the thing is you're, if you spent the, the meeting chit-chatting about old times or whatever, you don't get the work done. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like you're all able to set that aside, get the work done. Oh, yeah. We always had a good old time, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, that, and that's great. And you know her so you can trust her, you know. Mm-hmm, so that's, you know, you know, you know where she's from and what's going on there. So yeah. that's great. So, so it sounds like you guys just really, I mean, this was no nonsense from day one. You made a decision, we're going to do this, and you just start, you know, going, going, crocheting up a storm it sounds like um so were you finding i know with a lot of people who make things by hand the hardest thing is getting the public to understand what goes into it and um why it's not 50 cents um, at the crab show (laughs) you know and i think so what in your experience i mean how are you guys able to to get because it's one thing not only do you have to make all these items but you have to um you know make them in a way uh, and market them in a way where people are like yeah okay that's totally worth the money that they're right you know how right. did what did how what was your strategy for getting people to, to understand the value of what you were making um honestly when we would talk about it all the time monica and i would talk about how difficult it was for people to understand the concept but Basically, we spent about zero amount of time on people that didn't understand. Oh. <laughs> really. We realized, I, I realized, of course, we both realized later that, of course, you have to go through a turning point where you want to get people to understand exactly where you're coming from. But right. the whole point is we, because we always had so many other things going on and we were modeling and we were braiding hair, we never truly felt the real desperation of getting people to understand so we were saying we will spend the time on the clients that will pay. Okay. So we were at we were at places that was not around our house. We were not selling to our mother and sister and cousins. It right. was always somewhere that was away from where we lived. And to some degree, I remember going to an event one day, and a lady told us, "We heard that you all. I want to talk to you about crossing over." And I didn't understand what she was saying. She kind of reminded me of the concept of musicians. You know how they do music, or maybe you, you'll sing in English, and then when you cross over to the Spanish. Right, right. That type of thing. But she was saying we were crossing over. And I, was, I wanted to say so bad, I wasn't never where you thought I was. <laughs> and the whole point was it didn't have anything to do with individual race. It only had to do with individuals that had had a, a certain type of... Um, feel for crafts. Right, right. Well, they had a certain amount of respect for crafts, and that was everybody. It was That was every nationality for us, which was great. It just wasn't in our neighborhood at the time, and then we, we kind of sold more to a, fluent, a neighborhood around us called Bronzeville, and that's when we really got a lot of contact with people around us, but we just, we didn't spend time. We basically didn't spend the time on people. We just did what we did and did it well, and people started to believe it was worth it because we ended up getting a lot of press. Mm-hmm. I guess press tells people. 
Yeah, people see it's what the they want. They, important then it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, to some degree that that is true because if people see something, they're like, oh, well, the paper wrote about this. It must be something, you know. Yeah. yeah. So how, we always felt it strong anyway. So we really believed in it. We understood the concept of hours of time for work because we had always been independent contractors. Right. Uh, maybe I didn't say I did this too, but I was also an aerobic and dance instructor for years. At the pub, at the park districts here in Chicago, and at um, different schools. Okay, so you were always, you know, charging a fee for, you know, coming in and doing a class and per hour. Okay, so you're used to kind of working that way. Yes. And what? Um, how, how are you able to set your prices then for your like? Because a lot of times people will say, you know, I, I sold this thing for a hundred dollars, and you ask them, well, how long did you work on it? They're like, well, it took me about two weeks, right. <laughs> and you're just like, wait a minute, you didn't get paid, you know, right. you really didn't get paid for that. So you paid them to take yeah, it. you pay them to take it away. Because I mean, a lot of times um, the materials are not. Um, I mean, it depends on what kind of yarn you use. I mean, some yeah. some yarn. I mean, you can spend easily spend two hundred bucks to make a sweater um, if you yeah. buy the yarn. But what kind of yarn do you guys use? Do you work with acrylic and the 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 uh, real expensive stuff too? Or um, we worked more. We worked with acrylic. We worked with wool. We worked with cotton. And we kind of got more into like the rayons and the more expensive yarns a little bit later. And we actually got more of our practice with any of the. The yarns that we typically wouldn't use in a collection with the book. Okay. Because we were able, because the publishing company will pay for the yarn. <laughs> <laughs> we like, ooh, let me try this yarn this time. You know, let me try this bamboo or whatever. Right, so right. That stuff wouldn't be conducive if you wasn't working with people that would pay those amounts. Why would you purchase a yarn that costs $98 and then, you know, unless you're going to find somebody that's going to purchase the item for $450. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. So when we came up with the prices, with the pricing, initially everything was a class for us. So it was our own, basically it was our own internship outside of what natural internship we got in life through modeling and independent contract work and braiding hair and teaching dance and working per hour, all those different things we consider parts of our internship. So in the very beginning, the first two years, we would always go to the yarn shops, look up the yarn. Um, look at the yarn, put the colors together, get our whole concepts together, see what the prices are. But we would crochet the pieces and then we would sell them and we would, you know, get an idea how long it takes because we wouldn't know initially. Right. How long it takes to make this item, how much yarn or how much, how many items can I make from this one skein of yarn and all those things. So it was just basically our own education um, of figuring it out. And maybe some of the stuff was too low in the beginning, but that lasted about three months. <laughs> uh, and then you guys got better at the pricing. Yeah, yeah, yeah got better and started real, and getting faster and learning how to create items that will have a design ingrained in it that will make it faster for us to create also. And it sounds like this is not your sole income at this point still. So you're you're not, as you said, you're not in a position where you're like, okay, we got to sell five um, right. you know outfits this week otherwise we're not going to have any food um, right. so it's a different it's it almost it's it's more you have a more of a leisure approach to it as opposed to I mean you're serious about it but it's not vital so um, does, or, actually um, it's, it, it's we're more leisurely about the selling but we are uh, more open about how many different avenues or things that we can do as crochet artists in general okay because okay we can do speaking engagement where we get paid Right. And we can do workshops where we get paid. We can do television appearances and um, do shows like we're doing our new craft videos um, where we get paid to do that. So with all these different areas, they still leak into what we've always done, which is maybe be on camera and um, that kind of thing. Um, it's so many different avenues. Maybe the actual selling of garments or a collection per se is not the biggest part of it. It's just the whole idea of double stitch in general and all the different ways you can make money with the company. Well, it sounds wonderful that you're able, you're so diversified in your skills. And the two of you have been, you know, models and you represented brands before. Now, it must be really fun to represent your own brand now. Yes, it's, it's great. It's great because we get to be a, you know, when we, we're in this era or this time of reality shows where People are getting to be themselves, how, regardless of how crazy it is. <laughs> um, we always used to say that when people would try to get us to, uh, maybe our agents for modeling would be like, are you interested in acting? And I was like, well, I can't act. All I can do is act like 
I'm at home with my sister Braid here all day crocheting, being silly, going to parties, kicking it, working out. <laughs> That's what I could act like. You know what that is? That's just me. Right. So, it's, it's just a good it's a good place to be. To be yeah. To see you and to try to um, you know have all these different avenues or artistic um, things that you can do and, and it's natural for us as artists, but it's natural for us as entrepreneurs with an entrepreneurial spirit to always try to figure out different ways to make money doing whatever that is we decide to do. Yeah, and that's well. Congratulations on on figuring that out because I think a lot of times people kind of struggle to to do that, and you guys move rather quickly. From Christmas presents to we have a company now and, (laughs) you know, doing speaking engagements. And so and um, how much if people want to buy your garments and um, your clothing, um, how much what is the range of what you charge for your pieces? And I know it would vary depending on what it is, but what is the range there? I would say the range if we start with like the funky one sleeve range is pretty much from eighty five dollars to four hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, and four hundred and fifty would be for for what? Like full length. Dress. Okay. And that's completely lined, um, skirt wise, or around from the hips to the knee, and then lined at the breast area. Mm-hmm. So pretty much um, full length dresses are the most, and dusters, long sleeve dusters, um, and sweaters are the most expensive items that we have. And do you guys work together on pieces, or do you say, okay, this one, I'm going to make this one, and we work individually, and we have worked together, um, but now I'm very. Uh, not on a lot of items at all. The one thing I remember the most that we worked on together was a wedding dress by our good friend at the jewelry design. Oh, wow. And that was fun. And, you know, the bottom part of it was kind of a slight A-line, and it was um, kind of a full skirt. And I, I didn't have that kind of attention span at the time, so my sister did that part, and I did the top part with detailing and beading and stuff. Oh, Wow. So, so do you have you guys had any like formal training in crochet? Because it sounds like you learned from your fourth grade teacher, but then when you picked it back up, I mean, did you guys take classes or did you no, just? No, wow, we didn't take any more classes. Um, we used to always joke that our, the biggest appeal to our items was the color, our usage and um, choices for color. And um, we were doing simple stitches, so I was like, "This is fourth grade education you're looking at here. It's just colors <laughs> and shapes." <laughs> fourth grade. And we still look at um, we look at videos and learn different stitches and incorporate them. We meet people that teach us stuff when we do workshops, and we always joke that they'll see it in our next collection or our next piece, and we always do it because the sooner we do something after we learn it, the more you know used to it or the easier it is to remember it. Mm-hmm. So we learn finishing techniques and the loop fringes we've done um, in the past, and our items we learned from a friend that did a finishing technique book okay so we just learned from everywhere but initially it was just a double crochet stitch and a single it was a single crochet and double crochet that was it and it was all about the colors and all about the shapes and all about the whole concept and and the simpler the stitches were we learned then was what made it look more modern at the time yeah well and in your book a lot of the patterns are i mean they're pretty basic stitches are you know it's and the thing that's so cool about crocheting is that you really don't have to know every stitch in the book to make something really fantastic and you know because a lot of it is as you said you know the way you apply these and the shaping and all that and i'm I'm really because in your book i mean you guys have some really cool uh designs here i mean from a gothic shawl that and and like this this uh paint the town is it this the um Oh, the T-neck. Oh, the T-neck. Shop. Yeah, the, that is something else. I mean, now how do you guys dream up these designs? I have no idea. <laughs> do, you, do you sketch them out first, or do you no, just start crocheting? sketchers at all. It's straight from the head, straight on from the crochet needle and the yarn. And we got our inspiration from everywhere. We would actually go on inspiration trips. We're here, we live together. We get up, we wouldn't have any clients one day. And we'll be like, Monica will say, let's go downtown. We'll go downtown, and we'll look in the window at Macy's, and we'll look in the window at all the different shops, and we would look at what people were wearing, and some of the inspiration would even come from the grass or the trees or color combinations that someone did for a floral arrangement and stuff. So it came from everywhere, and our initial inspiration never even came from crochet apparel. It would come from Victoria's Secret books. And yeah, I can tell there's a Victoria's Secret influence here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> all the plunging necklines. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> So we loved it, but the inspiration came from everywhere, and um, we were just happy when we were crocheting 
tons and tons and tons and tons every day for like three years. Wow. And so do you wear your items most of the time? I mean, do you wear crocheted yeah. stuff every day almost? or Especially when we go to events. Okay. And then we, you know, when we, when we stop being so, you know, I have to prove that crochet can be different. <laughs> when we stop you know, having to worry about that so much, we were able to make more casual items, like in the book, the T-shirt that has the crochet sleeves attached to them is one of my favorite pieces, and I love to wear that to the laundromat. Yeah, that's on my list of things, because I'm thinking for fall, that will be really fun, because it seems so comfortable if you put some soft yarn on the sleeves, that's really cool, and it can take your, an old T-shirt up a notch, and we all have old T-shirts that we're trying to decide whether or not to keep. Um, Yeah, so, and that's, and what what led to that? What was the inspiration for the t- to take a T-shirt and crochet sleeves to attach to it? Wanting to wear um, crochet in warmer weather. The T-shirts were cotton, um, so we would like those little American Apparel T-shirts. But because Monica and I, no one really ever sympathizes with this, but because we're thin, we... <laughs> yeah, you poor girls. Right? <laughs> we're regular T-shirts. Yeah, so I'm like, I shut up. <laughs> We never wanted to wear regular T-shirts because the T-shirts were, you know, big and we would look completely shapeless. And being a thinner people, we always wanted to look shapely. Well, especially if you're models and you're used to wearing clothes that are form-fitting and yes, flattering. Yes. Yeah, a, a T-shirt. I can see where you could get lost in a T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So we would find T-shirts that we loved, American Apparel T-shirts. So we would take the T-shirts and crochet the sleeves. And even when you go to the movie theater, it's summertime and it's nice, but it's freezing in the theater. And we right. were both anemic. So we were like, oh, I'm going to crochet some sleeves on here. So it came. It was very functional, very functional and fashionable purpose for that altogether. But initially, it was just because we wanted to incorporate crochet at a time that it was a little bit too hot to be wearing crochet. Right, right. So it kind of goes from the outside when it's warm into the air conditioning without yeah, too much is. discomfort in either place. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so you guys were doing that, it sounds like, just for your own purposes way before the book oh, deal yeah, came definitely. to be. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of it, we were our own inspiration, and as we grew, we started thinking about other concerns that people had or um, ways to draw in a non-traditional crochet wearer, stuff like that, someone that would never wear crochet. And we would always get clients to say, I would never wear crochet, but now, and that was kind of what we were aiming for. And then you would have the people that would always wear anything that was funky. Right, and right. So we, we just we basically just found different and new ways to draw in um, clients or just crochet enthusiasts from everywhere. Yeah, well, I think you've definitely accomplished uh, bringing people in. And to be able to bring people in that say, I would never wear anything crocheted. And the people that are totally into funky stuff. Because sometimes people are like, oh, that's nice that it's crocheted, but that's just too tame for me, you know. Yeah. And you definitely have been able to... Um, because a remix T-shirt, there's no plunging neckline. So if someone is very, you know, oh, yeah. you know, wants to go, you know, to a church Bible study or something, mm-hmm. they won't be asked to leave. Right. You won't be. You know, there'll be no watering eyes. I mean, you right. can. You can. You can just keep it real in the shirt. You know, or if you want to go to a nightclub, you know, you cu- turn a couple pages and you have something for that too. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's just really, you know, so I could tell you guys are some fun sisters because oh. like these these women. Are so I mean because the designs are just so um, so so great you know and and so fun and so you guys must have had a great time oh, putting yeah. this together and how did how did the book deal come to be I mean had you done some shows the fashion shows before this or how did um, actually an article was done on us in the Interweave magazine okay Interweave crochet or interweave. yeah they have inter- Interweave magazine yeah they have a crochet magazine yeah yes and we did um, Gwen Blakely. Kinsler did an article about us, and she is the president of the Crochet Guild of America. Okay. And when she did that, it actually didn't even come out yet, but the publishers of Interweave um, saw the article, of course, the early article before it was published, and called us that day. Wow. And said, you, it was two days after we said, we should do a book, because we crochet so many patterns. And Monica and I were arguing because I was like, I'm not writing any patterns because we didn't know how to write any patterns. <laughs> I'm not writing patterns or I'm not. That's extra work. And we was just so funny because we was laughing about it. And two days later when Interweave called, we were like, yep, yep, send the contract. We'll go over. We'll send it out. 
our um, uh, lawyer because we just really wanted to um, expand. We wanted to teach. It was just too many designs in our head. We were never afraid of people stealing designs and stuff like that, that people that have collections and clothing lines are worried about. Right, right. uh, Because we just had too many. Unless they could jump in our brains and think the way we think, which we know you can't. (laughs) Right. Um, It was no big deal. So we was really ready to start sharing. I mean, 25 designs, and sometimes it seemed like we did 400 in a year. Wow. we were crocheting so many. But you guys didn't, you guys don't write down patterns. I mean, that's not the way you work. We learned just now, but at that time, um, for the book, like, we hired a a pattern writer. Okay. A professional crochet pattern writer that had been working with us as a manufacturer as well. Oh, okay. The items that we submitted for Macy's um, in 2006. Okay. When we were in Macy's, so, yes, someone else did it. But throughout the book process, we have learned how to read and write patterns. Oh, that's cool. So for before, you were just like looking at something and you would, so you would work with completely without patterns. Was it hard to recreate the same item twice? No, no, No. not at all. Because the thought process will always be somewhat logical to us as far as how to um, arrive at the shape. And it made it much easier to make adjustments because when we made adjustments and it needed to be bigger or it needed to be longer or it needed to be wider in one space, because the whole concept was logical to us, adjustments were very easy. So we learned a whole lot about fitting. So that was all part of our whole process of um, our own personal internship. Wow. So we needed to learn to make things more efficient for us and to, you know, to get what everything was worth. Well, that's good. So now you have the ability to write patterns, too, and read patterns. So that oh, yeah. opens fun. up a whole other world for you because now you can sell patterns. Yes, yes, it's so much fun. I still would rather use the pattern writer that we hire for the book. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have, I tend to be the same way as far as when I sit down and I want to just make something out of my head. I don't want to write down what I'm right. doing. Um, I do make some notes, but um, the pattern writing, the pattern part is my attention span is a lot shorter for that because yeah. I like the creative, just being able to kind of stitch wherever. And yeah. I find that I rarely follow a pattern exactly. Yeah, um, it's we, so tedious. Yeah, well, you probably even noticed, like, my the apron I made, the apron, um, was it apron halter from your book? Um, yeah. Let me see where, yeah, what, what that's called, so we can tell people what it's really called here. Um, oh, the tube top apron, or the tube yeah. apron top, I'm sorry. Um, the tube apron top that I made, um, that ended up coming out a little bit different, because I use different yarn, I do, mm-hmm. you know, and use I... cotton, right? Yeah, I use cotton, yeah. and my, I let my daughters pick the colors. They're two and four, and I said, okay, girls, and I, of course, I kind of put some break, I mean, I narrowed it down for them, because I kind of knew what I wanted to work with, <laughs> so it wasn't exactly a random thing, but... Um, um, yeah, I mean, it came out a little bit different, but um, it was that's so fun great. to make. Yeah, it was really fun to make, and, um, you know, I just thought, and actually that's what, when I flipped through, I'm like, okay, that's the first one I'm making, because I'm an apron girl. I love, love, love yeah, aprons. I yeah, I <laughs> Yeah, I love aprons, and this one's really fun, and um, I decided that if I wear it out to, like, work and stuff, I needed to have a shirt on underneath <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was fun, but yeah, and so far, um, yeah, I haven't worn it without a shirt underneath yet. We'll yeah, see. Like a more summer beachy type thing. We're, we're yeah. heavy into layering ourselves. A lot of times when we style stuff in books and stuff, we may do it with nothing to show the sexy appeal to Right, it. right. But we wear a lot of stuff with fitted t-shirts and um, stuff. So. Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing is it can go anywhere from the beach to, you know, yeah. the grocery store if you, you know, put your t-shirt on and put your apron yeah. on over that and so fun. And, like, the, it's interesting, too, you turn a page in the book and the hip hanger, it, which is another basically like an apron, but you guys wear it off to the side. That's yeah. how you have it styled, to wear it off to the side. So it's kind of like this funky, I have an apron on, but not really kind of thing. It's very interesting. Um, one of the biggest things that we learned throughout the whole process is that we ended up learning um, that we could our outfits or our pieces were very convertible. Yes, and that's what makes it fun because if you make something – and you know the time that goes into this. So when people stitch something, and it takes for uh, it takes them a while, and then they're mm-hmm. that you get this um, versatility where okay, yeah. it can be you know worn to yeah. the side, tied wherever. That's really great. Um, so tell me about your fashion shows because you've had uh, you have whole collections of of your work out there. And yeah. when was your first fashion show? Ooh, I can't even. Remember. Let me ask Monica. Monica, what was our first fashion show? Oh, okay, it was at a little club called the Mink in Chicago. Okay. And it was uh, the person that was putting the show together was someone that I had worked with before as a hair model for Soft Sheen. Okay. And products. 
and he just called us up because he had been hearing about us at the festivals, and it was amazing for us to be backstage and to actually see people put our apparel on, but models, beautiful models putting on the apparel, and they were loving it, trying to buy the pieces that they wore in the show. Wow. Yeah. And so that was just fun, you know, to get the reaction because we we learned very early on that uh, we can make it kind of like a, um, it was like a performance. Um, for us, and we didn't realize that we had been to fashion shows before. We'd be like, "Ooh, ah, that's beautiful!" But people would actually rise to their feet and clap at a at a crochet creation with feathers on the bottom. <laughs> on the runway, we couldn't believe it. We like this was not a show. <laughs> so the first thing yeah, that that was great for us because we realized that we had a way to extend ourselves, um, you know, and to show that creativity to other people. Mm-hmm. and get recognition for it, which is something that, you know, some people can admit that they want or need, some people can't, but it was something that we were basically, our life being used to, we was always a sideshow. Right. Walking down the street, you know, being identical twins and people always staring. And I think just last week I was walking down the street with my sister and I said, I kept wondering why everybody was staring at me. And then I said, Dad, I keep forgetting we twins. <laughs> I mean, it's so old for me. I was like, woo, I'm really doing it, baby. I'm looking good. They must like my heels. <laughs> and I forgot, oh, shoot, they don't care about what I'm looking like. I'm with this girl. That they looks just, just like me, yeah. <laughs> so it, the, the first show was great, and it was an extension of something that we were always used too, but we really, you know, realized was a part of our lives, and that's just providing something that was creative and beautiful to see and to look at and to appreciate in the art form, but something that people could actually wear. And so that first show was in, what year was that? Ooh, that was, that was in 2003. So we okay, so really, very early. really quickly. Very yeah. quickly. And then so after that, did you, um, did you, you said you had some pieces in Macy's? Yes, we went into the Chicago designer shop in Macy's where we would, where we got a lot of press, just like we had promised each other we would do um, at home in Chicago. And so that sparked where we were invited to show our collection to Macy's buyers oh. in 2006. And when we showed the collection, it was chosen, and we were uh, our apparel was featured in Macy's on State Street in Chicago, and Monica and I actually acted as spokesperson speaking at the opening um, ceremonies for the, to introduce the Chicago Designer Shop to Chicago. Wow. Well, it was also the introduction of Macy's, um, the turnover from Marshall Field. Right, right. Okay, so, so that's... that's where we were getting a lot of practice, and we realized that we would do more as ambassadors um, to designers, ambassadors for crochet, ambassadors for entrepreneurship, um, just ambassador for all the things that we believe in, doing what you love, being happy, right. you know, expressing yourself, staying true to yourself, that type of thing. So well, that was just that's what we did at that time. And it was really quick. Everything was really quick. Every day was an adventure. Yeah, well, it sounds like, well, that's just like, so a whole whirlwind occur, occurred in 2003 for you guys, and you yeah. just kept... You haven't looked back since, it looks like. Nope. Because your, nope. book, your book came out this year. Yeah. And then um, what are you guys working on now? Um, right now we're working on craft videos that we're filming in Redondo Beach, California, with um, a network, an online network called VirtueRadioNetwork.com. Okay. And that's actually the website, so it's Virtue, as in Virtuous, um, Virtue radionetwork.com and that is um, a contemporary Christian women's website. Oh, excellent. Craft, bookshop, books and um, let's see they have um, they have book clubs, all different types of stuff, but we are the resident crochet professionals on that website. So on the website you can look up double stitch and click on the craft portion or the crochet portion of the site and see our latest video of, of an item that we're sharing the pattern for. Oh, wow. And that's all free for people to look at? Yes. Well, that's fun. And they can look at the us on screen doing the our silly, silly sad show that we always been doing all our lives. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so you're doing the – and how often do you do release a new video? Every week. Oh, every single week. Wow. Every week. So, so did you guys um, go out – this week was the first week where 
it wasn't a new video because of Labor Day, so they oh. air pretty much on Tuesday evening. Okay. Well, that's so. How many of those have you? You went out and taped a bunch. It sounds like. Yeah, we taped a bunch, and we're actually going to tape some more. Probably this. I'm pretty sure this month we'll go tape some more. We'll we'll end up doing an official launch of the double stitch videos in Los Angeles. But right now, um, we it's probably about four that people can watch. Wow. Well, that's so that's exciting. Download the old ones if they missed one and stuff like that. Well, that's really exciting. Well, how has this how has this changed your life? I mean, being able to crochet. Uh, actually, it's so funny. It don't seem like it changed it at all. It just extended <laughs> it <laughs> to to what they always were. Um, but we do get a lot more. Um, we get a lot of opportunities um, to meet a lot of people. We've been able to be spokesperson for the Global Warming Project, which was a project where people would crochet forms that look like a coral reef in an art exhibit in Chicago, and that was really eye-opening because it gave us information about, you know, the issue of global warming. So stuff like that is really huge for us because we get to still do what we love and and um, and learn more about what's going on in the world. And right. still do what we love without feeling superficial. Like, I'm just going to do my crocheting and that's it. Right. So um, it's changed our lives in that aspect that we get the, to do these collaborations with so many different people, and um, we get to meet different people, go to different venues, and we always did that, but we still get to be in the capacity of us, the double stitch twins, and you know people can learn about our craft. So it just opens up more opportunities as any other job would do mm-hmm. if it's something that you know you're getting well known for. And so are people recognizing you guys when you go out places wearing your... It's hilarious. Yeah. What yeah. happens? What if, what happens when people see you? Uh, we just went to the Oprah show on Wednesday to, to, to see that filming of um, all of the, all of the uh, uh, over 150 athletes from the Summer Olympics. Oh, yeah. And it was great. It was at Millennium Park. And people were actually in the audience with us taking pictures of us with them. Oh my goodness! So wow. That was I mean, we're we're getting more and more used to it. That's Star Christina talking. It must be time for her morning nap. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's interesting. Um, we we're we were always pretty popular in Chicago because we always doing things. You know, doing commercials where people would know us for you know a number of different things that we did that were always kind of performance related. Right. But but um. Double Stitch has definitely gotten us more well-known because of all the publicity and press that we get. So it's, it's still quite different, but, you know, a lot of people stop us all the time and say, aren't you those girls that crochet? <laughs> so that's, that's interesting. Well, that's fine. Well, that's something else because people are going to see, you think they're going to see Oprah and some Olympic athletes, but actually they want to take your picture too. Oh, yeah, that's, that's great. great. That's, great. that's that pretty really cool. So have you guys been on the Oprah show yet? No, we haven't done the Oprah show yet. We what about Martha? Has Martha called you yet? Martha, no, no, no. We actually, we submitted to we submit to everything, and you know it's just a little waiting game to see when you'll fit into this. Yeah, we definitely been used to you know what the submissions that our publicist does and everything for um, different talk shows and stuff. But we just figure you know everything to happen when it happens. Yeah, well, it sounds like your your day is coming for that because oh, yeah, because yeah, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. It sounds like you'll be ready <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Do you have any advice for the budding designers out there that are maybe have ideas but aren't quite sure, or maybe just reluctant? Maybe they're nervous to kind of get started and put their work out there. Cause yeah, it- um, I would say you know initially for people that are more driven towards design, I always recommend this book called The Fashion Designer's What is it called? Guidebook or something like that. I'll figure it out. But uh, so that basically goes under the umbrella of researching what mm-hmm. it is that you're doing to see who else is doing what you would like to do. Right. So that you don't have to, re, you know, rebuild everything from the ground up. You can just get information and it can help you out a lot. A lot of people like to find um, people that can help them that are already in that job. And I think that's important, too, just just talking to people, mm-hmm. as with anything, talking to people and learning for other people that are doing what you want to do is really, really huge, and it could give so much information. It's amazing how willing people are to share information. 
um, once they're asked by somebody that they see has the desire and the drive. So I will always say find someone that can mentor you, research the information um, based on of what you want to do, and um, that's huge now with the Internet. So it's really easy to research and find out information just with keywords on Google. <laughs> right, right. You're right about that. Yeah. So those are two huge things I would say. Find a mentor if you really want to see what it's like because, um, you know, doing an internship and stuff like that is so valuable. And so meeting people and researching online is the two number one things. And just keep going. Just keep going and keep moving towards what it is that you want to do. And be true to yourself because that's the most important. That's the most important thing. There may have been times in the past when my sister and I didn't have any money, but if if we didn't have any money because we didn't sell something, it was much better than going to a job every day and feeling like I was going to have an aneurysm or fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> because I couldn't take it because it didn't go with my temperament. So right, true, right. True to you has a lot to do with your temperament and what it is that will make you happy. And if you're doing something you would love, which for most people is very, very important, um, it's, it's definitely worth going through whatever you need to go through in entrepreneurship or it's worth the research and all that kind of stuff. So just stick to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's great advice. And you're, I mean, you're right about doing what you love. I mean, that's what we're really going to be the best at, you know, yeah. is if we find something we love to do, well, chances are that's going to be the thing that we can, we're the best at of all the things we do. If you love it, you're going to do well. So um, it sounds like you guys have definitely found your groove. As far as the cro- uh, crochet goes, who do you guys hang out with any, uh, Famous uh, crochet heroes out there. I mean, do you have um, people you look up to in the crochet world? We actually, it's so it's so many uh, people that we met that we meet while we're out and about. Um, we always we love to meet people that crochet. So it's not it may not be anybody. Well, of course we love Gwen Blakely Kinsler of the Crochet Guild because she um, she she brought attention to us as a person, but we also like her her attitude of how she's always like, always wear your crochet. When we meet her, she teaches us a lot, or you know, and she tells us a lot about what to do. Um, well, not just what to do, about, you know, just that pride. You know how you can feel the pride in someone? Oh, about yeah. What they do and how much she loves crochet. So she was very, very important for us. But all the individual people that we met while we were um, spokespersons for the Global Warming Project were was, was fantastic. These were people that were were really into crafts. We were good friends with the Jane Addams Whole House Museum and all the people there that, uh, and the Chicago Humanities Festival here in Chicago, all of those people really, really cared about something. And it, as, as usual with us, sometimes it may not be someone in a specific craft that we're in that we truly, truly um, would look up to or we would see and see ourselves in. It will always be, you know, I still think I'm Diana Ross, so that's a trip. <laughs> That's a whole different story. <laughs> That's a whole different story. Diana Ross, Tina Turner. So we are super, super diva people, and we love it. But the people, the individual people that we get, that's ambassadors for the craft of crochet every day. Mm-hmm. And that's just people that, you know, go to work every day, and then they go home, and then they crochet to make themselves feel better. Those are the people that we look up to because they realize the importance of doing something that they love and taking time out for themselves and that's that's everybody. That's all the people that sub, that submit to our crochet alongs online. That submit pictures and they just they just keep on doing it and keep on working it. That's what we look up to. So it, it's quite a few people, way too many to name. Yeah. Well, and I think well, and thank you too. To, well, thanks to both of you for helping to forward the you know the craft really because uh crochet is finally getting the respect it deserves and i'm just so happy that the patterns are so much more interesting and it's just getting respect and i think that's wonderful so i I will always have a special place in my heart for crochet and um i think it's wonderful what you guys are doing and i'm curious are you the big sister Okay, I figured the spokesperson. Yeah, because I'm the big sister in my family too, and um, yeah, I just was curious about that. Um, I don't know. Does Monica want to say anything before before we go? You no, know she always listens to me, and if she wants to say something, oh, while she's she... walk around and how she interjects and say, "Hey, hey, hey," she obviously agrees with the things that I'm saying. And she's also running around with Star Christine. Yeah, she's got her hands full with that baby. So, are you guys going to be coming out with a baby line now that you have inspiration? We actually did start a line called the Star Christina Collection. 
and oh, named cool. after Star, and it was a, co- a collection of baby onesies that have crocheted skirts attached to them. Oh, how cute. So it's on our site, on our site that we sell on, on Etsy. Okay, I'll have to look. Etsy.com. We have the Star Christina uh, collection. Okay, it's I'll have hilarious. to look over there. Yeah, I'll have to look <laughs> at that. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Great, thank you. Okay, Jennifer. talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Don't you just love crochet? Special thanks to Erica and Monica for putting together this great book and inspiring those of us who have been uh, maybe a little more reserved with our our crocheting to get out there and stitch some really uh, sassy designs. And we're going to do a little giveaway here for a copy of Erica and Monica's book, Double Stitch Designs for the Crochet Fashionista. And you can get in on that by leaving a comment under the write-up for Craft Sanity episode 89 over at craftsanity.com. The deadline is November 29th. To enter, all you have to do is leave a comment. Under that write-up, anything crochet-related, you know, comment about this episode or maybe the most risque thing you've ever crocheted, whatever, whatever the spirit moves you to type. I'll probably do the drawing the 30th, so uh, the deadline will be end of day, November 29th. And a special thanks to Michelle Young of Extremely Crafty, the online easing and blog. Sign up for the Extremely Crafty Club at www.extremelycrafty.co.uk and receive free instructions to make a teddy bear toy in a matching bag. By becoming a member, you'll be the first to know what's new and receive free special members-only cool stuff. Thanks a lot, Michelle. The exciting Amy Butler contest that we had going has come to an end. I will announce the winners. I've already announced them on CraftSanity.com, but I will, uh, those of you who are curious about it, we had three big winners. Sarah, Julie, and Carissa won packages of a stack of fat quarters, a pattern, an individual pattern, and also a copy of Amy's latest book, Little Stitches. We had three other winners, Risa, Carrie, and Janie, who won packages of individual patterns. So I kind of grouped the patterns together and made them some fun packages. So keep watching the website because I might have another contest that I'm going to be announcing this week. And just to kind of let you know what's on tap next, I'm going to be posting my second interview with Anna Maria Horner. And um, we talk about her new book. We're going to do a, a book giveaway for her as well. So check that out. If you would like to be a sponsor of an upcoming episode of Craft Sanity, send a message to sponsors at craftsanity.com. My husband will walk you through all the stuff, and it's pretty cheap, so he'll help you out with that. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. I really appreciate it. Uh, Stick around after the music if you want to hear a short after show. It will end abruptly because that's how my husband does the edit on these things, so um, I'm not being rude. He's just kind of cutting me off. (laughs) It's kind of necessary, though, for those of you who've listened you know that I can go on and on and on. So it's good to have Jeff there to cut me off. (laughs) Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to let you go, and I will be back soon with that Anna Maria Horner episode. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity. I'm in the newspaper business and things are very, very uncertain right now, so... I have to diversify. Speaking of which, I went on TV again and um, made the really foolish decision to stay up until 3 a.m. or 3.30 in the morning. I was sewing a turkey apron from scratch. Like, I didn't have a pattern or anything. I just decided that I was going to be talking about Thanksgiving crafts, so I needed a turkey apron to wear. Right. It makes totally perfect sense, right? I'm going to be on TV the next day, stay up till 3 a.m., you know, I mean, it was, it was insane. Because I got all my projects done at a reasonable hour and decided... I had started this apron and, you know, thought, you know, I can totally get that done. I just need, like, two hours. And, of course, it's after midnight. It was ridiculous. Um, I did get the thing done. Thought I was done, looked at it, and I'm like, something is missing. This bird looks weird. Realized there were no no legs on the turkey. 
So I <laughs> got out my embroidery floss and stitched some legs on the thing, but I thought, this is crazy. And then I went to bed about 3.30, and at 4.30, Amelia, or Abby woke up. She was sick. So she was, she got sick um, in the middle of the night and needed help, and so Jeff and I are up. And I'm like, wow, I feel like hell. Um, <laughs> and so I went back to bed a little while later and got a couple hours of sleep before heading to the station to do a local program on WZZM Channel 13. It's the Take 5 live show featuring local folks um, doing a variety of things and promoting a variety of businesses and activities and events. But, yeah, I mean, it went fairly smooth except for the part where I couldn't remember the word for sponge and I also couldn't remember the words for to describe construction paper. I was so tired that I just could not really form sentences. I'm not real good at this, but it's fun, you know, and I so far have not done anything terrible where they, you know, swore on TV or anything like that. So it could have been much worse. And thanks to all of you who posted nice comments and um, on the blog to support these kind of crazy crafty things I'm doing on the side. I really do appreciate it. And if anyone's been looking at postedstitches.com and wondering, hmm, where'd, where'd Jennifer and Bev go? We both got kind of jammed up with our workload in October and decided to kind of give ourselves an extra month to get our October quilts done, our little 10 by 10 quilts. So um, I'm actually wrapping up stitching that one. So we're going to try to, within the year, have 12 quilts as we set out to do. I still am working on doing some uh, setting some plans to do expanded coverage for CraftSanity.com, which will be involving increased sponsorship opportunities and also chances for you, dear listener, to contribute, whether it be a tutorial or article or some other project ideas and information uh, we're going to be looking to do more to get you involved so it's not all jennifer all the time i hope you guys all have a great thanksgiving if you celebrate thanksgiving check out craftsanity.com for some projects you can do with your kids the ones i did on tv so you can see what these projects look like and then there's some instructions on the website to get you started